Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Evan Van Musica. Joining me on the show today is Steve Niemeyer, a Nebraska Extension Educator. Uh, he's going to be talking to us about selecting replacement heifers for the beef herd. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for coming to the show today. Well, thank you guys for having us and uh, being able to participate a little bit and help the producers with this topic that we're going to talk today about. I'm pretty excited to kind of dive right into this. I, I have a small beef herd myself, and it's always one of those questions that's going to impact you for you know years to come is which ones do you keep and which ones do you sell? Yeah, it's a big, important step in the operation and stuff like that. So some of the considerations, basically, is the replacement heifers are one of the most important groups that we can manage in the cow herd. So therefore, you know, managing our heifers from weaning to breeding will be a very important time for developing the females that you want to remain in the herd for years to come. So weaning can be a time to identify the replacement heifers also or the candidates that you want to keep in your herd eventually. So this is a time that allows you to look back also through your production records and start identifying traits that meet your production goals. So the production records are a big activity or a big part of this decision-making. So everybody should be trying to keep records as much as they can. This considers like evaluating the heifer's age, in determining what your development strategies will be uh, to ensure successful development of your heifers. So what are some of the main things to consider? What are some things that maybe we should be measuring as cow herd operators? Well, there's also different groups of cow, people that have different programs and stuff. Just registered cows are different than commercials because you got more production records and stuff. But some other things to consider for both sides uh, would be the age of the animal, the genetics of the animals that you got, you know, what you can find. I like the phenotype about what they look like, and then some other development considerations that you could think about from genetics to uh, production goals and stuff. So basically, you know, age of the heifer, genetics of the heifer, and phenotype, so what she looks like today in the flesh. Anything else we need to, to look at? The type of heifer, you know, the structure, all that type of thing, evaluating the production records of that animal, the growth potential of the phenotype, and hopefully they, you can pick something out from the above average of your cow herd if you're re- keeping your replacements of your own. So just kind of picking on that a little bit, a good friend of mine is a seed stock operator, and commercial cattlemen in Canada. And one of the things that they do is they take off, they, they look at their weaned heifer calves like you're describing, and they also evaluate them at yearling weight. And they'll take the top 15% and bottom 15% and call them immediately. And I had asked him, I said, well, why would you take the top 15%? And he said, those for maternal cow herd, for the commercial side, if you're looking at the top 15% of your growth, those are going to be large frame cows and we can't have large frame cows in our production system. Is that something that we should be thinking about as growers, even though a lot of our listeners are in the upper Midwest? Yeah, there's a, you know, everybody has different types of cattle, you know, naturally different breeds, different sizes, and different production goals, you know, and like your friend up there, you know, they're just figuring out they, their cattle might be a little bit too bigger for the operation and they'd like to have them a little bit more conventional maybe and stuff but you know we'll go back to the age a little bit of that animal that was just another time the weaning weight and the yearling weight are two different times but he's keeping the cattle a little bit longer than just at weaning and selling off the non-replacements and stuff 
but a little bit more about the age. Yeah. Uh, some of the research has shown that heifers we calve in the first 21 days, that this is just another way of uh, things to consider. The first 21 days of calving season have increased longevity uh, compared to the heifers calving in the two subsequent calving groups. So some of the difference is longer years, the ones that calve in the first 21 days have longer longevity of 8.2 years compared to 7.6 for the second go-round and 7.2 years for the third go-round. So basically, these heifers that produce calves that have significant heavier weaning weights over their first six calves, resulting in weaning basically an extra calf over their lifetime. So that's what you're after is that extra calf in that lifetime of that cow. But every operation is a little different. Like you said, the one in Canada, uh, they might cut off, and then they'll take the bottom half and take the middle for the cut for their uh, replacements. But also, different herds are different. People buy their replacements. Uh, then they'll buy seed stock bulls or whatever that's more terminal cross, and then those terminal cross cattle may not quite have the fertility that you'd want for your replacement. So a lot of people sometimes around here, you know, they'll buy the replacement heifers, some of them instead of producing them themselves. But today we're still talking about trying to produce them ourselves here. So you mentioned age and and why it was so important. What about early breeding? We need to keep in mind with that in regards to if we want our heifers to calve in in the first cycle, when should that first cycle be? Well, I mean, you're talking puberty of your animal and the size a little bit and the genetics, and it comes back to the cow, the mother, and the grandmom, and all that. But like for our genetics, your production goals are very important to figure out what they are and how you can select traits to meet those goals. Basically, the genetic makeup of the herds have changed significantly, and where the heifers are reaching puberty at a younger age and at a lower percentage of their mature body weight sometimes. So over time, we have also seen the trend of increasing mature cow weight for, you know, larger uh, yearling weights. So back to size of when they went away, however, increasing the, the weight has not delayed puberty, thus resulting in heifers being bred at yearlings and calving at two-year-old cows sometimes. So the puberty hasn't affected the uh, growth of the cow as much, I don't think. So, you know, that's one aspect. And then some of the other traits that we can consider on the genetic side of it is the milking ability of the animal and her history, you know, of her family, the other quality, and the naturally calving ease and disposition is a very important other aspect. So when you talked about the puberty, you know, and the breeding, on the bull side, scrotal circumference moderately correlates with the age at puberty in heifers. So sometimes as the average scrotal size increases, the age of puberty decreases in the heifer. So there's correlation between that. So that's one reason why we want to try to look at your scrotal circumference when you're selecting your bulls for your replacement heifers. Therefore, if we know information on our herd sires, we can make more informed decisions based on data. So can you explain some of the correlation between production goals and genetics? So what traits are we looking for or should we be selecting for for different production goals? Well, you know, your goals can differ. Like I was talking before, you know, they're, you know, be terminal cross. They could be registered cow herd or commercial cow herd, just raising females. There are different 
operations for different goals and stuff. Basically, your goals and stuff should match your procedure of what you're looking for in your operation and stuff. How do we identify calves who are from above average producing cows? Well, that's a good question. Hopefully, you got some numbers and some good production records on your cow herd, even if they're commercials. But a couple of the items that I would think about would be the weaning weights of your calves, you know, like what we talked before, the calving date naturally. Then you go back to your phenotype on the structure and soundness of your individual. And sometimes if you have records on your mother and the grandmother, that all helps too sometimes. If I would buy in the livestock, I'd like to have the health history of the animal. So you keep track of who might have got shots. And this year here, we have pink eye, foot rot, the hard ground, the hard grass. And then they get in the mud holes and stuff and you get some foot rot problems. Then also, there's calves have been born in 18 below weather, you know, over across the Midwest here over the last few years. They might have shots, pneumonia, you know, that kind of stuff. So the health history of that animal would be important for me for replacements. And naturally, the other things are the calving difficulty scores and then help to evaluate your production records on it to help try to find the calves that are above average producing cows. Other than genetics, what developmental considerations do we need to be thinking about? And we've talked a little bit about treatment history, but what about development on the heifer side, like as far as feed or care that we need to kind of be aware of when we're trying to select replacements? Well, I think like, you know, what we're talking about, people have different feeding types, feeding methods, different feedstuffs, different, the heifers are bred more efficiently for feed efficiency, what I call easier keeping type animals, plus feed and all that kind of stuff too. So we didn't even really talk about the marketing or the carcass aspect of animals and stuff, but we're talking more of the replacement female quality and stuff. So I think part of that is all part of helping to decide which way you're going to go. So is there anything else related to heifer replacement selection that you think our listeners would would like to know? I mean, there's always the... Trying to keep the herd going, you know, we're in a really tight income expense ratio, what I call, you know, break-evens, feed costs, uh, taxes are kind of going up a little bit, your interest rates are going up, land price was going up, you know, everything seems to be going up except for the market sometimes. So around here, we're around Burwell, Nebraska, and, uh, you know, the market has been pretty good, but our input costs are that much more. So as soon as you can try to get that heifer producing and to keep her in the cow herd, depreciation is a big aspect of the cow herd too. So that's another thing to be thinking about. There's so many things that you think about, it seems like. But the exposed female, what they should be made, you know, producers do a lot of majoring to help make their decisions. So one thing is the exposed female pregnancy and weaning weight probably one of the most important management performance traits that we can find, I guess, and to make sure they work. The bottom line is to make sure that female is pregnant, you know, at the time that she's supposed to be uh, and keeps doing it for your, the longevity of her life. And probably one other thing that I like to look at all the time, it's probably because you're raised with 4-H and you have 4-H livestock and you, you know, mess around with them a little bit when you're showing, but for me, the, the attitude of the animal and the you know wildness or whatever can make a big difference. And 
that might be the number two thing to be calling on or for replacement is the attitude of the animal too a little bit in performance. And and then the other aspect, everybody has maybe different timing of calving and stuff and have different herds. Here in Nebraska, we have a little bit, you know, fall herds and the spring herds. So the bull sales and things, some people might like more the older bulls to start out than yearlings. Every operation is different. But it seems like in fall cows, they've got a different attitude about taking care of their calves than spring calves, calving cows and stuff too. That's the difference in the timing of the year, I suppose, a little bit. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, my experience in the fall calvers are maybe a little bit more uh, feral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can hide the calves pretty easy. So. Right, and they, they're kind of doing their thing on their own because it's not like it's so cold that you'd be worried about them freezing. Right away, to get them, find them right away. And right. Stuff. Seems like every operation is a little different in what they can do and the facilities or what they can handle. And Like one year, you know, most, a lot of these calves born in february and early march they've been through the barn for the first time of their life and stuff so it depends on your operation and your uh, facilities and equipment and everything there's a lot of things to come and then well then you're trying to keep the family going and you know keeping your everybody together on an operation trying to get new people involved in the production aspect of beef cattle production still kind of hard to get a young person going to get started in the operation. That's another aspect of the whole thing. Absolutely. Well, Steve, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you taking a moment and educating our listeners. And Yeah, and if they need any other information, we have a good webpage on our, uh, with the University of Nebraska Beef Systems. It's just beef.unl.edu, and we have all kinds of topics, all our NIB guys' uh, information all the way from what we talked about today on developing heifers and replacements. So anybody can get on that, and it's on the webpage. Uh, again, it's uh, beef.unl.edu. That would be with the University of Nebraska Extension. That's wonderful. Thank you so much again. Appreciate it. Oh, that was great. Thank you guys for having us. Well, everyone, thanks for listening, and hopefully you found what we talked about today helpful. And if you didn't find it helpful, hopefully you found it interesting. Thank you.